Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. Yet our planet is in trouble, and if we want a robust and healthy Mother Earth to leave to our children and grandchildren, we have to be mindful of how we use our precious resources. Our guest today, Dr. Jessica Fonzo, joins us to share the ways you and I can help to preserve the environment just by choosing what we put on our dinner plates. Her just-released book is called Can Fixing Dinner Fix the Planet? And she has some fascinating thoughts on this vitally important topic. It is a vitally important topic, and I'm so grateful that you're coming on our show. So welcome, Dr. Fonzo. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I I do want to say at the onset that your book is a true wake-up call. Uh, The first few chapters are eye-openers, to say the least. Uh, But before we get into the book itself, I'd like you to uh, share with our listeners and me a little bit about your background, because you are truly, truly uh, someone to write this book. Your education is broad-based and extensive. But how did you get so involved in the topic of food and resources? Yeah, and most of my career I've spent focusing on food and diets and its impacts more on human health. I, you know, I'm a trained nutritionist, but over the last decade or so, you know, working internationally, uh, climate change can't be ignored. And so really trying to understand how our global food system and diets are impacting climate change has become the central work for me Um because we're just running out of time with climate change to take action. And so what's the role of our diets and what we eat every day on, on environment and climate, as well as on human health. So that's, that's what I do on a daily basis. Well, and as I said, we had a couple of minutes to speak with each other before we went on air and this book is so necessary. It is, like I say, an eye-opener, but I really hope everyone pays attention to your thoughts because you're right, I think we are running out of time. And I don't want to start with too much of a downer, but how greatly is our planet suffering at this point? Well, you know, we are in the midst of, of massive climate change and, you know, while some of us may not feel the immediate effects of it, we will with no actions taken. I think we are starting to feel it, though, if you look at the Pacific Northwest and the East Coast this week are under massive heat waves and the droughts and wildfires on the West Coast. These are all kind of the signs of our climate that is rapidly changing. And food is not only uh contributing to climate change, but it's also a victim of climate change. So the foods that we eat every day uh, matter for ourselves and for the planet. And so what can we do to try to ensure that um, we have a thriving um, food system and, and protect ourselves and the planet and all the species we live with on the planet? And there's lots of solutions out there to, to do that. Well, and that brings me to the title of Chapter 3, which I have to say, you, all your titles are great, but this one is the one that resonated with me the most, and that is, Do We Have the Right to Eat Wrongly? Mm. Yes. 
And uh, it's it's really about <clears throat> our choices matter, and they they matter not only for ourselves, but you know we are all global citizens, and and the choices we make in our in our food system and the diets choices that we make influence the farmer in Africa. They influence the person working in the meat processing plant in the middle of the country. Our decisions and the power of those decisions matter a lot. Um, And we don't live in an isolated world anymore. We're so connected and our global food system is intimately connected. And so you know, yeah. How do we how do we make the right decisions not only for ourselves but for the planet and and us as global citizens? Well, and, and to global citizens, I think we are also the moral stewards of this precious mm-hmm. home. And we, you know, and I will speak for myself here, but as part of the older generation, we have a real, you know, a, a an imperative to leave our planet as healthy as we can to future generations. And right now the food industry and what we're choosing to put on our plate is putting uh, in a little bit of, well, not a lot, a lot of detrimental practices out there. Uh, I remember seeing films years ago about, you know, the people in the rainforest, you know, the rainforest up in smoke because they were putting more pasture land for, for cattle, a beef cattle to graze, and really serious things that, you know, people don't realize at the time but really can provide a lot of you know damage so uh, what do you see as some of the most detrimental things that we're doing at this point uh i think the way we're raising animals can significantly change um a lot of the food we're growing now um the grains are being uh used to feed animals and and some animals have a significant environmental footprint. And it's funny that you were talking about, you know, if you think back in history, maybe you remember the book Diet for a Small Planet by Francis Moore LaPay that came out in the 1970s. I think it was in 1971. And many people remember that book. It was quite eye-opening. But we're really dealing with sort of the same issues that she laid out in that book. Um, around the kind of diets that, that our agriculture systems are producing and what we can do to change them. And, and her daughter and, and herself have gone on to create a whole institute. But um, a lot of those same messages still ring true. And it, it, to me, it, it's a bit of an issue of why are we still talking about these problems 40, 50 years later? Why hasn't anything been done and, you know, because of that, we're in this situation now with climate change barreling down on us, um, which is totally unfortunate. So I hope in this book it brings the conversation back to food systems and why we need to care about how we're producing and consuming food, um, particularly as part of the climate change dialogue that we see happening globally. Oh, absolutely. And so now that we're going to, we've established the fact that we are in trouble, that we need to do something about it. Mm. So what are some of your recommendations for a diet that's both healthy for us and for Mother Earth? I think um, there's two big, two big areas that consumers and, and eaters can focus on. One is around reducing food waste. 
um, we waste about 30% of all the food grown in the world, which is incredible Mm. because we have almost a billion people who go to bed hungry every night. So that's just astounding. And so there's a lot we can do in our own kitchens and when we walk into a grocery store. One is to try to not overbuy. You know, we saw that in COVID. We saw the hoarding mentality. Um, you know, we're not we're not waiting for the next nuclear fallout. So I think it's okay to not have a big storage closet full of food. (laughs) (laughs) Very wise. I think think you're okay to like, you know, not store a year's worth of food in your house. Um, (laughs) Think about using your freezer, you know, batch cooking, freezing food, um, using leftovers and making soups. You know, there's lots of ways to use, foods that you might throw out, um, and, and it all starts in the kitchen. So that's, that's one thing is just to buy less, use your freezer, plan ahead. And I think people have learned that a bit with, with the COVID pandemic. The other thing is around the kind of foods that you eat. You know, the, the, the types of foods um, you consume matter. So eating more plant foods, fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, very healthy for your, for your health and for the planet, um, eating variety, seeing um, more sustainable seafood choices. So if you're going to not have red meat, maybe substitute with poultry and seafood, but be sustainable in that. So sustainable seafood could be more clams and mussels and oysters or smaller fish like sardines. And then um, thinking about uh, moving away from these processed packaged foods, high in sugar, salt, and fat. These foods are really detrimental for health, but they make up a significant proportion of the American diet. So how do we ensure that we're eating healthy and not moving towards these, like, these very just junk foods that are very cheap, readily available, and sort of everywhere outside food systems they're sold everywhere in every store so trying to steer clear of those um can have a big impact too well and too i mean when you talk about packaged foods the first thing that pops out to me is packaging you know in addition to the Mm -hmm. health you know issues around them there's all this waste in the packaging too. So, and and I, you know, you were talking about you know they eat. Uh, I, well, I'm getting back to you. In the book, you reference Michael Pollan and his famous quote: "Eat food, mostly plants, and not too much." Yep, exactly. And he he in those three sentences um, outlined what science has told us for years, but he did it so eloquently and simple. <laughs> Michael Pollan is a what? trained journalist, and that's why scientists need journalists, because he came up with this incredible summary of the nutrition field in, in three sentences. That's just so easy to follow, and it's true. Yeah. And after reading your book, you are pretty doggone good at writing yourself. I mean, you really lay things out very clearly. Another important point you make, and I thought this was worth speaking about while we were on air here, you can vote with both our forks and our dollars. So, again, mm-hmm. we have a, we really can wield a lot of power, right? Absolutely. I mean, 
you know, who you vote for, you know, do those politicians in their messaging and in their platforms, are they even talking about food? You know, I wish President Biden would talk more about food. He rarely mentions it. So that's a call to President Biden. I, I really wish he would talk more about about that. And he's, he's doing lots of other really interesting initiatives around transportation and renewable energies. But I wish food to be a part of that conversation as well. But it gets very contentious when you start to talk about food in American politics. <laughs> yeah, well, they, and American politics are pretty doggone contentious as they are. But, you know, something as simple as what we put on our dinner plate is also the most profound thing we can do, I think, as individuals. I mean, other than being super wasteful with trash, but, you know, mm-hmm. to really, you know, support the, the needs of the planet and future generations. So, again, your book is really really one I hope everybody takes a look at, Can Fixing Dinner Fix the Planet? And before we have to go, Dr. Fanzo, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience? I guess just my last word is, you know, you as the eater, as the consumer, you have a lot of power to change the food system. You know, every day you walk into that system, whether it's stores or restaurants, and you have the choice, right? You have the power to make different choices. And that is empowering to be able to shape food supply. So I just hope that that people remember that they have a lot more power than they think to make the changes that they care about and want to see in the world. Um, And a good place to start is in the way that you choose the kind of foods that you want to consume. Well, speaking of power, your words are very powerful, Dr. Fanzo. I thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. I wish you great continued success with this book. I hope everybody gets a copy. Can Fixing Dinner Fix the Planet belongs on everyone's dinner dinner table, I have to say. <laughs> Thanks again for, again, enlightening me and enlightening our audience. Thank you so much. Well, and I just real I, I in closing, I want to say now more than every ever before, it's up to each one of us to do our part to keep our precious resources healthy and abundant for future generations and our own health abundant and healthy. So, until next time, this is Mary Irene Williams at Feisty Side of Fifty Radio. Saying I'll catch you later. Bye bye.